Well, once again, Merry Christmas. I will say, I am pleasantly surprised at the number of people that are here this morning. It is, uh, uh, so many people have uh, responsibilities to family and traveling and, and different things, so I uh, wasn't sure what to expect this morning. So thank you for coming out this morning uh, and celebrating our Savior's birth. Uh, we're going to talk about Jesus today. Uh, that's, that's the goal and the intent of, of everything that's going to come uh, out of my mouth today is to highlight who he is and, and what he's done. I don't know your religious background. Uh, mine was growing up in a, in a uh, I will say, a faithful Roman Catholic family. We went to church every Sunday. Didn't matter what time of the year. The expectation was we were going to go to church. And I'm thankful for that upbringing, uh, for the, the discipline that, uh, that my parents put into my life. And, um, and I hope that as you come today uh, to, to worship, that it's with the intent of not just being here in this specific place and time, but to actually be enthralled with the reason that we're gathered together, which is uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so it is, uh, every year, it is uh, one of those tasks that uh, uh, preachers have to do where they have to make the, again, the familiar somewhat special, right? Christmas, although it is practiced only once a year, for many of us, we have practiced, we have observed Christmas Maybe more years than we want to admit um, for some of us. Of course, for the, for the young children, uh, they're just thrilled. They're just thrilled. And to see life and to see Christmas through the eyes of little ones is really, uh, it's, uh, it's something I encourage you to do, the excitement that's there. I think we're always called to have excitement over uh, any time we, we gather together and talk about uh, the newborn king. Uh, this, is a, this is a familiar uh, um, uh, term, glory to the newborn king. I, I actually used this last week, and, and just kind of that, that is what we tend to think of when we think of Christmas time. We think of the baby in the manger, baby Jesus in the manger. And, uh, and, and certainly he's due all glory for God becoming man, which is a mystery of mysteries and it's a gift of gifts. And, and so, uh, but I want to just kind of uh, talk about the newborn king for a minute, and then I'm going to. Take a right turn, left turn, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to try, start, try and shake things up a little bit as we go a little bit further, all right? So this is a text that we, uh, this, when we talk about glory to the newborn king, that's not actually Scripture, okay? I mean, it's that, that, those exact words. But we, talk, we sing this song, glory to the newborn king, right? I'll, I'll fake singing, all right? So it's, yeah, the glory, we just, so it's glory to the newborn king. It's words we're familiar with, but it actually comes, I think, from the text in Matthew chapter 2, which is not describing the birth of Jesus, but it is talking about Jesus. And it's talking about the, the, the three wise men as they would go, and they traveled, and they saw the star, and they came along, and they found Jesus probably at the age of around two, or younger, right? Uh, and it says, Now after Jesus was born at Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. We're not going to go any, any, any more of the story uh, than this, but it, what, this is what catches Herod's ear. He was born king. Now, Herod um, wasn't born king, I don't believe, but he became king, and, and certainly he was appointed king, uh, as you talk about him being under the, the, uh, the rulership of Rome. 
But here we have someone who was born king of the Jews. Herod is technically the king of the Jews, but here is this person. And you think, what's going on with these wise men? Are they really that wise? All right? They're going to this guy who is technically the king of the Jews, saying that there's been someone who has been born king of the Jews, and, uh, and they are saying that they are coming to worship him. Uh, we do not know the religious beliefs of these individuals, what they believed up to this point, but they knew something supernatural had taken place, and they journeyed far with gifts aplenty to come and to present them to this newborn king. So as we, as we think about Christmas, this is what we tend to think about. But it, it kind of struck me, why do, we don't have hymns that are entitled, Glory to the Newborn Prophet. There's not, there's not a hymn, I don't think. Maybe you would like to write one. Uh, Aaron's good at writing songs, but may, maybe, uh, maybe we ought to think about this. Glory to the newborn prophet. What's my point here? While Jesus lay laying in that manger as the God-man, as a baby, he is not only the newborn king, he is also the newborn prophet. Jesus is prophet and king. While innocent and and. I will say helpless, a legion of angels would come to his aid if necessary, but he was, to be, he was to be brought up and nurtured by his mother, Mary, and his uh, earthly father, not, uh, not physically, but adopted father, Joseph. But think about this. This is out of Deuteronomy chapter 18. It's a passage, if you ever wonder, uh, when people call themselves prophets today, there are churches where they have prophets. I've met a few of them. Uh, and, uh, but this is a great chapter to understand the role of a prophet and what constitutes a prophet. But here we just see that uh, um, Moses is communicating to the nation of Israel, and he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. So there's this prophet like Moses, uh, and he's going to raise this prophet. God's going to raise this prophet from your midst. It will be from the nation of Israel. I just realized that the sound thing went off, the, the air handling went off, and I feel like I'm yelling, okay? Christine said, yeah, you were really loud last night. If I get loud, you guys can turn me down. This is my tone, all right? This is my volume level, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it up. Um, if, I tell you what, if it starts to be a problem, just stand up, turn around, and, and wave, and they'll know to turn me down, okay? But until then, if that thing goes back on, it, it, you know, but I'll try and be a little bit more controlled. Okay, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst. It'll be from the nation of Israel, uh, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Him you shall hear. Moses is the man of God. He has delivered the nation of Israel uh, out of the bondage of Egypt, and, and he's brought these people uh, through, uh, through the Red Sea. He's, he's, he's done all these amazing things, but he's saying, listen, God has used me, but God is going to send you another prophet. Now, in some sense, any prophet, a true prophet, is sent from God, and the people are called to hear him. And so some people believe that Moses, when he's saying this, uh, is talking generally about prophets. And so maybe we could give Moses that uh, perspective. But as you go into the New Testament in Acts chapter 3, we see that there is a greater fulfillment of this. This is a longer passage, but I wanted to give you this context. Part of my reason for going into this long text of Scripture here is I was thinking this is Jesus' birthday. 
it, I want you to imagine it was your birthday for a minute, and you were in a gathering of people celebrating your birthday, and no one ever talked about you. All right? So we're going to talk about Jesus. But now, what do we talk about Jesus? We can, we can stay with the familiar. But I ask you to consider, when you gather together for a birthday, and you're, you're honoring a person, what do we tend to do? We tend to tell stories. We tend to tell, tend to tell the, 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 the fun, the embarrassing. I don't think there's any embarrassing moments for Jesus. But anyway, the fun times and the, and, the, and the joyous times, maybe the strange times, the unexpected times. And so I just picked this particular one because it, it builds off this idea of what Moses saying, and it contains the it contains the portion of scripture where uh, in in this this uh, in this section where that section in, in um, Exodus is um, or Deuteronomy, excuse me, is called out. So now Peter and John, we're familiar with this story. Can you imagine them sitting down talking about Jesus? Someone's telling this story about Jesus, and he is now now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Uh, again, this is about Jesus, even though it's after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. All right? So Peter and John come up uh, to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gates of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This is, this is remember, this is that same Peter who, who denied Christ and who, who fled. And, and, uh, and yes, God did amazing things on the day of Pentecost and, and all these things. But now this is bold Peter Who's, who's, ready, who, who's performing a miracle, fully cognizant of what he's about to do. He says, I, I don't have any money to give you, but I can give you a gift. But my gift is only has value because it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he says, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And I think we can imagine that. It's almost like kids at Christmas, right? I got a new toy, walking, leaping, praising, praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Are you, are you seeing this picture? Are you living this out in your mind's eye? Are you, are you sitting there just thinking, oh, to be there at that moment would have been so awesome. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them uh, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, Solomon's uh, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Peter is fully aware of who he is and who Jesus is. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was uh, determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One, 
and just and asked for a murderer to be granted you. Now, this is the bad news before the good news. The bad news is you have actually handed over the Messiah, the promised one of Israel, uh, to, be, uh, to, to those who are ready to get set him free. Uh, but then he said, now, and you asked for a murderer. In addition to that, you asked for Barabbas to be set free. Does it get much worse than that? They are definitely guilty. And he and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. There's part of that gospel that we look for every time we're engaged in Scripture. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then the witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, in Jesus' name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Here's, here's part of the good news after the bad news. It's a little bit mixed, but it's the idea of you did this horrible thing, but you did it out of ignorance. Jesus was Peter's good friend. And if, if Peter had been... Uh, encountering these people the day after, the day of, or the day after uh, the, the crucifixion, he wouldn't be saying this. But he knew because of the power of the resurrection. He knew because Jesus had risen from the dead. And he knew because of the power of the Holy Spirit now, now indwelled him. He is able to look at his, his uh, fellow man and say, I know you did this in ignorance. And also your rulers the ones who thought that it was better to sacrifice one for the sake of the nation. Little did they know, Scripture says, that that was a prophecy of the high priest because Jesus died in the place of all those who are sinners. And it was needful that one died. But he says, listen, I know you did it in ignorance. I, I reflect on my own life, and I, as I ask you to reflect on yours this Christmas morning, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why is this birth of a Savior so wonderful? It's because in ignorance, I sinned against him a good portion of my young life. And so did you. If you, got, if you came to faith in Jesus Christ at a young age, praise God for that reality. Many of us have the baggage of, our, of, of uh, uh, heinous sin, really, I mean, really just, uh, just uh, off-the-chart type sin where we have to live with and we have to deal with, in, in a sense, but, when, but we, like Paul, come to recognition that although we're great sinners, Christ died for us, and therefore we stand righteous uh, in, in God's eyes. We are justified through Christ. He says, listen, I know you did this horrible thing in ignorance as your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Don't fear, ignorant ones, don't fear, because God has a plan, and his plan is being set forth here. He's been telling it through the prophets. He said that the Christ, the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Promised One would suffer, and it has been fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. There's the good news of the gospel, that we have an opportunity to respond to the gift of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave us a gift. We call it Jesus' birthday, but it was actually a gift to us. 
he says, listen, in response, we are called to repent and be converted. Because when we do this, our sins are blotted out. They're not just put a line through or they're not just circled. and you know, they're, No, they're blotted out. They're not to be seen anymore. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You can actually rejoice in life. And this, this, although you did your horrible things in ignorance, you can repent, uh, be converted, but come to faith in Jesus Christ, and then you will know the refreshing that comes in the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. This is the Advent that we talked about, the second Advent. We spent a lot of time last night, first Advent, second Advent. This is talking about the second Advent. That he may send Jesus Christ, the one that you killed, has been resurrected, has ascended into heaven, and is coming again. And this was all preached to you before, but you didn't believe it. He says, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of uh, by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. God has been constantly communicating his truth. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says, uh, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God has made with the Father, saying to Abraham, in all, uh, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We studied this text not too long ago. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Now, as they spoke to the people, the, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So one more slide here. But listen, folks, as we understand the meaning of Christmas, we have to understand that salvation from sin could never have transpired if Jesus Christ, if God had not become uh, man uh, as a baby in the manger. The gospel, those that cannot, uh, we cannot celebrate the, what we have in Christ today without an understanding that the suffering had to happen, the betrayal had to happen, the, the death, the burial had to happen, the resurrection had to happen. And it says, listen, and this is, this is harsh news. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, or, or I should say of, of the disciples' day uh, after the ascension of Christ, they didn't want to hear this anymore. They wanted to shush this message. And the world still wants it shushed. This is horrible news for the world because they did it in ignorance and they want to remain in their ignorance. They are those who are without excuse, as Romans tells us. They, they have participated in sin. They are guilty of their sin. God has sent a Savior, but they desire to remain in their ignorance and say, no, la, 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 don't bother me with all this Jesus talk. I don't want to be accountable to a holy God. The religious leaders try to shut him down. It says, however, many of those who heard the words believed. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. 
The church is responsible to making mature disciples of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to go forth from this place into this world that God so loved to spread the gospel so that people will hear and they will believe. And they cannot hear and believe if people are not sent. And we're not only talking about foreign missions. We're talking about walking out into our neighborhoods, walking into our community. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. All right, that's a lot of believers in that area. So another one, and we won't spend as long on it, uh, glory to the newborn priest. Christ is, is king, newborn king, but he's also prophet, the prophet of Moses, the prophet that was, that was promised, the one that we're supposed to hear and listen to. But he's also, all glory is to be the to newborn priest. Have you thought of Jesus as a priest? And we're not talking about someone that walks around with a collar. All right, we're called a kingdom of priests, right? But let's look at this text. And and, uh, hopefully I won't spend as long on it because I I really want to get you out of here because there's a whole lot more I want to just focus on. But we'll go quickly through the next section, if not this one. Have you considered Christ as prophet, priest, and king? Because here we have uh, in Hebrews 4, seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus is our high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Notice these titles. Let us hold fast our confession, what we believe, what we hold, the convictions that we have. He's saying, seeing then that we have this high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Folks, when's the last time you took God up on his offer to come before the throne of grace? That throne of grace that was only available because Jesus died on that cross. The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Picture the size of this room, a curtain. I don't know how tall it might have been in the, compared to this, this room, but it tore from the top to the bottom, signifying that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, can walk freely into the presence of God and we can obtain mercy and find grace. I, I hope there's someone, either here in this room or online, that would watch this and say, I have a desire to receive the mercy of God. I have a desire to receive the grace of God. And you can do that if you come to faith in Christ. But there are people in this very room, right near, right now, at this moment, who are going through difficult times. Just prior to the service, Bob Zeno came up and, and shared that his uh, brother-in-law uh, passed away last night. Other family members are in the hospital. Uh, I know there are people within this room struggling. Isn't it nice to know that we can obtain mercy and find grace by boldly entering uh, the throne room of God, because we need this help uh, in in our time of need. He says, for every high priest, this is talking about the comparison between the earthly high priest and, and Jesus as our high priest. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, and he, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and, go, and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness, talking about the earthly high priest. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. 
That was the fatal flaw in the Jewish uh, expression of faith. They thought that the, 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 the more godlier they got, the higher they, they, they reached on the realm, that somehow they were in better position than anyone else. But even the high priest had to go make offerings for his own sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. This is, this is something that uh, God appointed uh, the earthly uh, high priest. But so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We'll talk about him just briefly. Uh, Who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayer and supplications with vehement cries and tears uh, to him who was able to save him from uh, from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. This is talking about Jesus, by the way. I'm sorry. Let's go back a second. You are, this is talking about Jesus. Jesus is a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. He wasn't a Levitical priest. He wasn't an Aaronic priest. He, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, of, of a human form of the priesthood, right? He was of the order of Melchizedek, which is a mysterious figure not, uh, that is in Scripture. But it talks about a person with really no lineage, no beginning, no end. And, and he, he's a, a type of Christ. It's this, this idea that his priesthood was a priesthood that would last. It was not based upon the law. It, was, it existed prior to the law of God through Moses. And so now it says, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, picture the Garden of Gethsemane, with vehement cries and tears of him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. This is Jesus, our prophet, our priest, and our king, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So, so Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. That was, that's where my study kind of started for us as, as I was going through uh, prepping for for Christmas. I often think about prophet, priest, and king at this time of year. But then I, I, I thought, you know, Jesus is known by other titles which help us understand his person and work as well. And so we're going to do this rather quickly, all right? Each title is worthy of glorifying Jesus. Uh, I'm going to say that as we look at this, we, I know we have one text of Scripture at the end of this portion that I want to finish with. But for the most part, these next few slides are going to just be a means of calling your attention to who Jesus is. Remember last week we talked about we really need to see Jesus for who he is, right? We know uh, we started off, uh, well, we're going to talk about his titles that describe his person and his work, but as we talked about last week, uh, well, not last week, forgive me, when we get to his work, that's where we started with his person. Think about these thoughts. These are all based in Scripture, all right? Glory to the Alpha and Omega, this is Jesus. I am the beginning and the end. When, when we think about Jesus and we think about him in the cradle, we must have a bigger picture. It's God became flesh. He, is the, he knows the end from the beginning because he is the end in the beginning. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the bright and morning star. What is this referring to? Well, there's a lot behind these, this terminology. I, I did find it interesting that, that uh, Lucifer is referred to as a morning star. But Jesus is the bright and morning star. He excels 
all of creation. He excels. These are picturesque words that help us understand who he is, how majestic he is. He is the, uh, the all glory is to go to the king of kings. And we know the next one is the Lord of lords. This is talking about the interaction between our world and the, and the world that we are yet to see. Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the promised one. He is the one of the kingly line. If we think about the nation of Israel, we talk about the, talk about the you know, we, we consider Scripture as, as, as uh, from beginning to end. It's the story of God coming into the world, making himself known in the garden all the way to the end of Revelation. But we know that through this time, God receives all the glory. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was promised and he came. If we get into the, the genealogy in Matthew 1, we see that Jesus is the son of Abraham, the promised son. Remember, we've talked about this recently, the promised uh, seed, one that, the one through whom all the world will be blessed. He's also the root of Jesse, which is another way of saying he's the son of David. This is talking about the humanity of Christ. This is talking about his person. This is who he is while he's in that manger. He is all these things. He is the Son of God. We, we are comfortable with that terminology. But he's also called the Son of Joseph. In the text, people were looking at Jesus, and he's making all these wonderful claims, and they're like, isn't this the, I didn't put it on here, but isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he the son of the carpenter? Isn't he the son of Joseph? Isn't he the, the son of Mary? Now, we know in that Matthew, gene- Matthew 1 genealogy that he is the son of Mary. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon her, and, conce- and Jesus was conceived in her through the power of the Holy Spirit. But let's not miss the significance of him being called the son of Joseph. In that text, as it goes through the lineage, there is terminology there that describes the adoption of Jesus by Joseph. We're going to be talking about adoption as we continue to study the book of of, uh, Galatians here very shortly. But let's not miss the significance that Jesus Christ was an adopted son of Joseph in this world. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the word of God, John 1, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he came amongst his own, and his own did not re- receive him, that, he acknowledged not, that did not acknowledge him. Right? Jesus is the Word. In the beginning, he was the Word. And all glory is due him. So all those titles are who Jesus was as he's lying in the manger. But let's talk about the things that Jesus did and does, okay, even to this day. Let's think about this. He is the creator. This is what we talked about last week. He is the creator and he's the sustainer in Colossians chapter 1. All right? We know that to be true. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the deliverer, the promised one. The, he, he is the Messiah. There's another word for Christ uh, saying, this, meaning the same thing. He is the redeemer, the one who has redeemed us from our sins. He's paid the price for us. He is the prince of peace. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. 
He is the light of the world. All these terminologies that talk about who Jesus is in this world and what he has done. Remember, as we think about some of these, these terminology, the bread of life. We must ingest bread to exist, right? We must, ingest, we must ingest food, right? We must bring it into our bodies. We must receive Christ. He is, he is the living water. Picture in John 4, the woman at the well, and Jesus interacting with her, and, and she's amazed at what he's saying. But he says, listen, if, I had, if you had asked, I would have given you a drink, and you would never thirst again. Oh, give me this water, Jesus. And he, she came to faith in him. Others came to faith in him because of her. He is the light of the world. We've we spent uh, time on that. This is often uh, t- something we focus on at Christmas time with all the Christmas lights. But Jesus is that light that came into darkness. And darkness was dispelled because of Jesus being the light. He is the chief cornerstone. The, 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 there's no, no foundation that can stand aside from Jesus Christ being this chief cornerstone. Uh, he is the vine. We are the branches. Right? We must abide in Him. This is what He does for us. We are the church. As believers in Jesus Christ, Jesus is that vine that sustains us and holds us together, gives us purpose in life, feeds us, nurtures us. He is the door. He's the door of the sheep gate. He's, he's the one that you have to enter into. If, if, if we, the, another door reference, but if you knock, it'll be opened unto you. But listen, Jesus says, I'm the door. Walk through me. No one comes to the Father except through the Son, right? Ask Jesus to be the entryway of, and if your entryway into God's presence, right? He is the good shepherd. He is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist pointing says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That comes later in Jesus' life, but it's true of him as a child. He is the lamb born to sacrifice his life for the sake of sinners everywhere. He is Lord and Savior. We acknowledge that with our lips and in our singing. We need to acknowledge this with our life. He is mediator. He is the one who stands between God and sinful man. He is the one when God, because of his mediatorial work, we are in right relationship with God. He is that person who has enabled us to step into the presence of God. Glory to the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall not taste death. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe, Lord. But she didn't know exactly what she was understanding, but he is the resurrection and the life and worthy of all glory. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, All must come through him. He is our advocate to this day. He is sitting in the right hand of the Father. He's our advocate. He He is on our side. He represents us to the Father. And when we sin, there is no doubt that our sin will be forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all righteousness. He's our advocate. The one who died for our sins is the one standing, living next to God the Father saying, no, that one's covered. That one's covered under my blood. That one has been atoned for. They, you are, they are righteous in my eyes. And finally, he is the glory, he, glory to that he actually is that baby in a manger. 
the one that we picture so often. And he is that. That's what he was. He was a child. He was in the human flesh. All these things are true of him. But he is that baby in a manger. So let us celebrate our Savior on his birthday. All right? That's, that's why we come together. We're here to, to say not just happy birthday, Jesus. Right? That's not saying that's a bad thing to say. I'm just saying it's, our, our purpose isn't just to, to wish him well. It's to celebrate his birth and what it means for us and for all those who come to faith in him. So let us recall who he is and what he has done for us. Now, this is the last portion uh, that we're going to look at. It's, it's, a, it's a biblical text. It's out of the book of Romans. And we're, I'm going to finish with this one. It's not a Christmas passage. But it's one I talk about all the time. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to read this passage to you so that we can recall who Jesus is and what he has done for us. On somebody's birthday, they are given a bunch of gifts. On Jesus' birthday, we were the ones who were given the gifts. And, uh, and, every, and, and every day that we uh, live and breathe as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're given his grace, his truth, his mercy, his love. But there's also this truth that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Our world needs to hear this message. We need to be encouraged by this message, but our world needs to hear it. And I, I, I quote this all the time, this first part, but I wanted to just read it today as we close. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I highlighted it just because that's part of the gift that we've been given. We have been made free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Let's not miss these important words. The righteous requirement of the law demanded death for sin. For the wages of sin is death that must be paid. Jesus paid it. The righteous requirement of the law must, might be fulfilled in us. We'll keep going. Who did not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's not the end, but I, I just... Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There is no way... For those who are in the flesh, not in the spirit, for those who have never experienced the life, eternal, the life saving, the eternal saving nature of the gift of salvation, for those who are dead in their trespasses and sin, for those who have no, there's no way out for them while they are in the flesh. They cannot please God. It is a sentence of death. 
But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That's the good news for us. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Make sure that's true of you today. Can you stand confident that you stand before the, a, a righteous, holy God standing and, and say, I am righteous because of what Jesus Christ did on my behalf? Can you say that with confidence? Can you say that with conviction? Can you say that with love to someone who does not have the confidence or conviction that that's true in their life? People need to come to an understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done. And we are the ones that are in the Spirit, and we know that the Spirit dwells in us. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. This is true of us. It's not true of everyone. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your immortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is a gospel story that did not begin with Jesus in a manger. It began with him being Alpha and Omega. It began with him being the Word of God. It began... in in a way that we can't measure or comprehend. But certainly it became real for us when Jesus became man, when God became man in that manger. And all these things are true of him. But notice it says, He who raised Christ from the dead. God the Father raised his Son from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies. We are not guaranteed our next breath. I I often get nervous about saying that in the pulpit because pastors die behind the pulpit. You know, and I'm thinking, well, these times that would be a great sermon illustration. We're not guaranteed our our next breath. Boom. Good news for me. It would kind of stink to be you at that moment. But he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Oh, spiritual ones that have come to worship their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the celebration of his birth on this Christmas morning. This life has nothing to offer us. We have been given it all in Christ. We might seek gifts. We might give gifts. But ultimately, we have to recognize and honor the gift that we've been given and understand that it is an eternal gift, one that transcends the grave because we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. That is who we are as Christians. I just want to close uh, this time and say that I am so thankful for God, how God is working in your lives. I get to hear some of the back stories, the behind-the-scenes stories, and I'm very aware of people in this room that are living out their faith. People who are joining us online who are living out their faith with conviction and confidence. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for being a church that understands our responsibilities for foreign missions, for Christian education, for being a church that, that seeks to mature in our faith. When I, when I share what I share, I am not saying anything that I don't believe you don't also know and understand. 
My job is just to encourage you in it, give you opportunity to express it. Our whole pastoral staff, that's our responsibility, and we seek to walk the road with you. And so as we come together uh, on Christmas morning, we are just like you. We are, we are here to celebrate our Lord and Savior's birth. And so I would like to do that by closing in a word of prayer and invite you to recognize Jesus for who he is. And then we'll sing one more song and then we'll dismiss for the day. Father, I thank you for the great love that you have bestowed upon the world. The world is without excuse. There is no one who has an excuse. Some struggle with that truth, but that's what your word says. But Father, help us to wrestle in our own minds and hearts this morning as to who we are in Christ. Are are we a child of God or are we a child of Satan, as 1 John writes it? Are we one who has been brought from death to life? Are we in need of repentance of our sins uh, and coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ? Because He is the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah, the Promised One, the Deliverer, the Savior, the Lord. He is all those things. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that has somehow, somehow the truth of the gospel has escaped them up to this very moment. I pray, Lord, that you would do a work in, in a person's life and many people's lives. Whether they do it now or they do it later in the day or whether they watch this video a year from now. Father, I pray that you would just use your word to reveal your son to sinners who are on their way to hell. Those who have ignorantly rejected your son, but have rejected nonetheless. Father, I pray that you call people to yourself. I pray you call these people to you, to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. May they worship him truly for the first time today. But Father, for those of us that have named Christ as Savior and Lord and Messiah and and God, Father, for those of us that have, have recognized Jesus for who He is for many, many years, or maybe even just a few days, but we have already come to that saving faith, Lord, I pray the remainder of this day would not go on without continuing to talk about Jesus. It's His birthday, and we ought to talk about Him. Let's talk about the stories of how He changed our life. Let's tell the stories to, to other believers and rejoice in the shared salvation. Let us tell the story of Jesus. Let's talk about him in our, in our goings out and our comings in and our standing up and in our sitting down. Lord, may the word of God dwell within us richly that we may be ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ into this world that you love so dearly. Father, we know that Jesus has come and we know that he's coming again. Father, right now we must live in the, in the middle part of that and say, Lord, give us the ability to walk in faith for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.